Welcome back to another episode of Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We are here to give you episode 8 in House of the Dragon today, making our way through this amazing first season of House of the Dragon. Big episode here, a lot of big things happen, and I'm excited to take us through it. Last week, Chase took us to episode 7. I'm tackling it today for episode 8. And, you know, there's just so much to go through that we're going to dive into it pretty soon. But before we do, I'm going to turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words. Yeah, man. Uh, still on the up and up. Uh, family connections need Dr. Phil. <laughs> They're both, uh, you know, this is where we're starting to really, our ties aren't as strong here i'll say and i'll turn it back over to you i'll let you take it away brother sounds like a fan dude that's funny the the whole strong thing you just did because that's going to come into play later on in this episode guys so yeah everyone let's put a glass in the air cheers to this awesome series and i'll go ahead and take it right afterwards all right to get us started here on episode eight of house of the dragon big thing to notate We've got a six-year time jump. So you've had a few time jumps between a few episodes. So between episode five to episode six, there was a 10-year time jump. Between episode seven and episode eight here, there's a six-year time jump. Just want to make sure everyone's on the same page because it can get confusing. Anyways, this episode starts, and it's starting with Rhaenice. And she says, It's been near six years since I last saw my lord husband, Maester. I must know. Will he live? And the maester replies, He led his sailors into an ambush, a ship made to look as if it were abandoned. In the fighting, his neck was slashed by a corsair's dagger. He fell overboard into the sea. The wound was severe. Much blood was lost, but the greater concern is the fever that followed. The ship's maester said he burns from within. And Rhaenys asks, The ravens came in from... And the maester replies, Evenfall, princess. To which Rhaenys responds, So they arrive in three days. Let all be made ready to receive him, Maester Kelvin. And this is where Vaymond Valarian says his brother, the sea snake, is strong, but he has seen blood fever overcome men half of Corliss's age. And he pretty much says that there's a decent possibility that they will greet Corliss's ship to find Corliss dead and gone, and asks, If that comes to pass, who takes the driftwood throne? And Rhaenys tells Vaemon that the seat will pass to Lucerys Velaryon and that it was Corlys's desire from the start that Lucerys take it. To which Vaemon tells her that he is Corlys's own blood, meaning him, he himself, Vaemon, is Corlys's own blood and the closest kin he has left. And Rhaenys warns him about these insinuations that he's making, that, you know, the, the insinuation here is that Lucerys isn't legitimate. But Vaemon doesn't back down and he tells her that he is speaking the truth and she knows it. And Rhaenys tells Vaemon that the matter has been decided. And now Vaemon responds to that, and this is some direct dialogue. Vaemon says, By a man whose ambition has brought down on us calamity after calamity. My brother only cares for the history books. But what of the Valarian line? Is it to be snuffed out, supplanted by the pups of House Strong? Driftmark is mine by all rights. And while I should like your support, I do not need it. The winds have shifted. The crown has good reason to take my side. And Rhaenys responds, My cousin, the king would have your tongue for this. And Vaemon replies, But it is not a king who sits on the iron throne these days, good sister. 
it's a queen. So there's some stuff going on here. Basically, Veyman is saying he is drawing support from the crown, meaning Otto and Alicent, where Rhaenys is kind of talking about how her cousin the king would have his tongue. He's like, well, it's not the king I've got to worry about right now. The ones who rule over everything is Otto and Alicent, and we don't know exactly why just yet, but we're going to see the conditions certain characters are in as we move forward in this episode. So the scene then moves to Dragonstone, and we see... Damon doing some climbing and you know some some cave diving and he he ends up finding a few dragon eggs it's kind of cool he pulls them out of the little clutch there and he comes out of the lair with a sack holding the eggs and he tells the dragon keepers that Cyrax has brought a fresh clutch of eggs there's three of them and he hands the eggs over to the dragon keepers telling them to make sure they are placed in the warming chamber and from that point, the Dragon Keepers give Damon a letter from Bela in Driftmark. And the letter pretty much states that Veyman is on the way to King's Landing to petition for the Driftwood throne to pass to him instead of Lucerys. And that's where the scene moves to Rhaenyra. And she's entering the study room where Jaceris is learning High Valyrian. And he's doing okay. He's not doing great. But Rhaenyra tells him he doesn't have to learn it in one day and that he'll have plenty of time to study. And this is where Damon walks in and Rhaenyra has everyone leave the room. So just, it's just her and Damon left. And Damon gives a letter to Rhaenyra. And this is the quotes between Rhaenyra and Damon's conversation. Rhaenyra says, He means to call into question Luke's legitimacy, and by extension, Jace, and by extension, my own claim to the throne. And Damon replies, Veyman cares only about Driftmark and the Valarian line, not about our politics. Has he made common cause with Otto Hightower yet? And Rhaenyra replies, This is what I fear. Rhaenys has flown to court. Surely she could not be planning to back him. And Damon replies, no. Whatever disagreements we may have had, she's not cruel or stupid enough to do that. Rhaenyra says, disagreements? She believes we had her son killed so that we might marry. And Damon says, yes. And yet, she's taken Bela to ward. Rhaenyra says, yes. It is Lena's memory she honors. She has no love for us. To which Damon replies, has a viper's venom spread so far? Rhaenyra replies, those vipers rule in my father's name. And my father, well, what choice do I have? So Damon puts his hand on Rhaenyra's belly, signifying that she's pregnant, presumably obviously with Damon's child at this point, since they've been married for a little bit. And he says, to King's Landing then. And their ships arrive at King's Landing, and they are introduced as heir to the Iron Throne and royal consort. But it's Lord Caswell is the one that's greeting them, which is an insult for someone of Rhaenyra's station and she's the future queen. And we had something like this happen before, back on Driftmark, when Corlys went there. Uh, I'm sorry, when uh, when Viserys was there, with Lionel Strong was his hand of the king before Lionel died. And when they went to go see Corlys Velaryon at Driftmark, they had Lena and Vaemon greet Viserys. So this is almost like a full circle. Now they are insulting Rhaenyra by having Lord Caswell greet them. And it's interesting, because Lord Caswell, if you guys remember, is the gentleman from episode six that said if there's anything i can do to help you like if i can be of any help and she says the day may yet come well keep this guy in mind i'll just say that anyways like i said he's the one that greets them and, and it is an insult for someone of Rhaenyra's station the future queen of the realm but the scene moves in to the small council meeting and sir harold interrupts the meeting to let them know that Rhaenyra and damon have arrived and Otto hightower little snake that he is says i trust they've been welcomed as befits their station <laughs> And Sir Harold says, as you instructed, Lord Hand. So it basically meaning they did it on purpose. They, they, wanted to, they really wanted to make that a point. So kind of fucked up. 
Anyways, the small council proceeds to the subject of Driftmark's succession. The Grand Maester mentions that it was Corlys' intention to have Lucera succeed him, but Jason Lannister questions his ability to command a fleet. It is also made known that Corlys never formally named him heir, and Alicent decides that they're going to hear all the petitions and act in a way that best favors the realm. And then she walks out of the small council meeting, and Alicent confuses Sir Eric with an E with his twin brother, Sir Eric with an A. And it's interesting, because they're, they're twins, and, and they have basically the same name, just one has an E and one has an A. But anyways, these brothers are going to play a big part in the series, so the introduction here is important. In any event, he tells Alicent that there is a delicate situation that has arisen in the prince's apartment. And from that point, the scene moves over to Rhaenyra, and she goes to visit her father, King Viserys, in his sleeping chambers. And this point, like I was mentioning, we're going to see the condition of certain characters. Well, we see King Viserys, and he looks worse for wear. He has a bandage all around the top of his head, then one half of his face, and he looks like he's decomposing while still alive. You know, he hasn't removed it just yet, but even just in this condition, does not look good. So Damon fills Viserys in with what's going on now with the fighting in the step zones and Corlys being wounded and how there are petitions to who will take the Driftwood throne if Corlys passes. And Damon tells Viserys to affirm Lucerys to be Corlys' successor. And from there, Rhaenyra and Damon they introduce King Viserys to their children, meaning Rhaenyra and Damon's children, they've had two, Aegon and Viserys II. So this will be Aegon III, and this will be Viserys II, the two children of Rhaenyra and Daemon. And obviously she's pregnant, again, with another one. But we'll see what happens with that child. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, King Viserys is so happy to see the children, but his illness or pain comes over him, and he needs to drink his tea, which has milk of the poppy in it. And but what that is, it takes the pain away, but fogs the mind. It's very similar to morphine in, in, our, in our world. But anyways, the scene then moves to Alicent. And there's a serving girl on her knees before her, and her name is Diana. And she's scared, shaking, and nervous. And we learned that Aegon basically raped her. Like, sex without consent, right? Alicent is kind to her, but also sort of an ass, because she's trying to scare Diana into silence by slyly threatening her with potential consequences or where people to find out that her and Aegon, you know, slept together. But Alicent does end up giving her a sack of coins, for her trouble, which is great for someone in that station. She probably, that's more money than she'll probably ever make in her life, that sack of coins that she gave her. But she also makes her drink the Plan B tea, is what I call it. <laughs> I call it the Plan B tea. Makes her drink that, so that way there may there's not going to be any uh, problems there with having Aegon's you know, bastard children. So, at that point, the scene shifts, and Alicent is screaming at her son Aegon about what he did, and says it's a shame to his wife, which happens to be his own sister, Helena, and it's a shame to her, herself, being Alicent the Queen. And he's not even apologetic about it. He says it was just harmless fun, and Alicent is pissed because it's the day that Rhaenyra arrived, and Alicent cannot afford to have her son involved in a scandal when the future Queen of the Realm is arrived when they're making their own plans. So I thought that was interesting. You know, she needs public opinion to support and favor her, and that's not going to happen if her son's involved in these damn scandals. So anyways... Alicent tells him, and this is some fucked up shit a mother should never tell a child, but she says, You are no son of mine. And Aegon responds, I did not ask for this. I've done everything you asked me to, and I try so hard, but it will never be enough for you or father. And this is when Helena walks in and asks if any of them have seen Diana because she was supposed to dress the children. And that's like the worst possible time because Diana is the is the girl that he raped, so he's 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 
having sex with people that are interacting with his wife and children. He doesn't care about anything. He's just kind of a little... Uh, you know, he's not the greatest guy in the world, I say that. But anyways, from that point, the scene moves to Rhaenyra and Damon, and she is telling Damon of her concerns about her father and how he looks so different and that she might have to talk with the maester. And this is where Alicent walks in and greets them, and she looks at the scar on Rhaenyra's forearm, which is from when Alicent cut her with that dagger six years ago. So that was a little bit of a full circle moment. That that screen pan onto him, and she even moved her sleeve up to to cover that scar that Allison gave her with that cat's paw dagger that she grabbed off the king's holster. It's weird. So I thought this was kind of funny too. Damon Loki calls her out for the insult of not greeting them personally upon their arrival. I thought that was it was him. That was his way of doing it. I, I Damon's pretty funny, but anyways, here's some direct dialogue. Allison says. I do not rule, as you well know. My father and I are mere stewards of the king's will and wisdom. And Damon responds, And how exactly is that wisdom expressed? In blinks and wheezes? I'd be surprised if he could remember his own name. Or if you could. And Alison responds, King Viserys' condition has worsened since you saw him last. It subjects him to considerable pain. On the advice of the maesters, and Rhaenyra cuts her off, Ah, the maesters, of course. It is they who keep him addled on milk of the poppy, while the high towers warm his throne. And Alicent replies, Rhaenyra, if you could see him without it, almost blind with suffering. And David cuts and he says, Alicent, I have no doubt it was an act of the purest mercy. But tell me, for the king's suffering, did the maesters also prescribe the removal of Targaryen heraldry and the installation in its stead of various statues and stars? And Alicent says, the emblems of the seven serve only to guide us on an uncertain path, to remind us of a higher authority. And Rhaenyra says, And on the morrow, which authority will sit in judgment of my son's claim to his own inheritance? Alison says, That would be mine. That would be mine and the hands. But be assured, the father is just and commands me to forget the accusations you have hurled in this room today. And that's where the scene moves to Jace and Luke. And they're walking around King's Landing, remembering and comparing it to the last time they were there. And there's a little foreshadow that's easy to miss. But you can see, as they walk through the training grounds, there are two people sparring. It's Sir Eric with an A and Sir Eric with an E. The twin brothers are sparring each other on the training grounds. And so that's a little bit of a foreshadow. Keep that in mind as the series goes forward, not necessarily the season. Now, at this part, Lucerus is uneasy. He tells Jace that everyone is staring at them. Lucera says, no one would question my claim to Driftmark if I looked more like Sir Laner Valarian than Sir Harwin Strong. And Jace reminds them that it doesn't matter what they think. And at this point, we hear people cheering for a little... There's these two individuals that are sparring, and people are cheering them on because they seem to be very high level. And so they go to investigate, and they see that it's Sir Kristen Cole sparring with their uncle, Aemon Targaryen. And like I said, six years have passed, and I'll tell you what... Aemon looks like a grown-ass man versus the child that we saw last episode in episode 7 that just got on Vagar's back and got his eye cut. What do you think about the change in Aemon's appearance, and does he not look the part of an adult in this moment? Absolutely. Dude, this motherfucker looks badass, though, dude. Like, he he looks like... I he looks like the role of a villain. Like, if there's someone that's in a superhero movie as the villain... He fucking looks like that. <laughs> I'll let you go into it, man. Right? It's so true. I, I, I find myself agreeing with you to the fullest extent that he straight up 
he he's tall, slender, like strong. I don't want to say strong. <laughs> That's about like he, he he's strong. like strong. Yeah, right. No, he, he's he's like built. He's got the eye patch on. He's like I don't know, man. It was uh, it was really kind of cool to see. But in any event, to continue on, this is where they they him and Chris and Cole are sparring each other, and Eamon disarms Chris and Cole to everyone's applause, and Chris and Cole says. Well done, my prince. You'll be winning tourneys in no time. Eamon responds, the direct quotes are, I don't give a shit about tourneys. By the way, side note, just before you jump back in there, best way to describe him, in my opinion, who reminded me of like one of those like samurai warriors or something. Did it kind of give you that vibe? Yeah, almost. Uh, he looks very, as close as you can as a live action character to uh, an anime figure, in a way. He almost yeah, reminded me of someone, perfect. As someone who would partake in an anime show for sure but live action version of anime so yeah that's kind of interesting Badass. i'll let you take it man good stuff for sure so amen when he says i don't give a shit about tourneys he turns his attention to jaceris and luceris and asks them if they've come to train and just then the gates open and vaman valarian enters with his retinue and he stares down luceris at this point, the scene shifts over to Allison and Otto, and Otto tells her to hold her nerve, and that what they do, they do for the good of the realm. And this just seems to be like this Gellert Grindelwald shit that, oh, for the greater good type deal, so just keep that in mind. But anyways, she confesses uneasiness because Corliss might survive his injury, but Veyman tells her that they need, to prepare, they need to be prepared if he doesn't. And Otto tells Allison that the realm has enjoyed a long peace, and that's a credit to Jaehaerys and Viserys, but there's a threat of war and it may arrive. And they ask if they really want a child at the command of the greatest fleet in Westeros when slash if war does come. And Vaman's a little bit of a kiss-ass here, and he says, The next Lord of the Tides will be deeply in your debt, your grace, as will Driftmark in all its strength. So he's trying to let them, let them know, basically, whatever happens, if you take my side here, we'll back you no matter what. So, a little bit of a kiss-ass move on Vaman's part. So at this point, the scene moves over to the Godswood, and we see Rhaenys is there. At this point, her granddaughter Reyna goes to greet her, and Rhaenyra is right behind. Rhaenyra tells Rhaenys that Bela has done well as Rhaenys' ward, and that she's raised Bela admirably, and then asks to speak to Rhaenys alone. And now here's some dialogue between Rhaenyra and Rhaenys. Rhaenyra says, I wondered for many an hour what your purpose was in coming here, whether you'd speak for or against the suit brought by Sir Vaymond. But then I realized, you intend to advocate for yourself. This is no fair proceeding. It is a trap set by the queen in the hand, I'd wager, to proclaim my son illegitimate. And Rhaenys responds, Yet you did worse than that with Lenor, did you not? And Rhaenyra responds, I loved your son. You may not believe it to be true, but I did. I did not order his death, nor was I complicit in it. I swear this to you. I'll make you an offer. Back Luke's claim and let us betroth Lena's children to mine. Bela will be queen of the seven kingdoms and her sons will be heir to the throne. Reyna will rule in Driftmark and the seat will pass to her and Lucerus' children in time. And Rhaenys replies, A generous offer. Or a desperate one. And Rhaenyra asks, What does it matter? To which Rhaenys replies, You are right in this at least. It does not matter. You can bargain with me all you like. Bring my granddaughter here with you to soften my resolve. But tomorrow, the high towers land their first blow. They force you to your knees, and I must stand alone. 
And this is further evidence about what I've been saying all along about Rhaenyra's character. When she feels the walls closing in on her, she turns and plays the part of a helpless damsel and tries to weasel her way out of trouble. And I love that Rainey sees right through it. And in my point, if any, like, desperate is the perfect word. Anytime she feels like she yeah. has nowhere to go, she will do, like, little weasel shit like this. And try to make deals wheeling and dealing to get herself out of trouble. And to Rhaenys' credit, she saw right through it. She, like, she knew exactly what she was doing. So, yeah. You know, this is why we always say it, it's hard to... It's not black and white taking a side of the greens or the blacks. It's There's a lot that goes in here. And I know they, that... Sometimes the show can seem as if it's portraying one in a better light than the others and make it seem like certain ones are the protagonists and the antagonists. But if you sit back and you look at it from both ways, you can see a lot of wrong and a lot of shadiness on both sides. And that's that's yeah. all I'll say there. But at this point, the scene moves and Rhaenyra approaches her father in his chambers and he's laying in his bed. She asks if he believes the Song of Ice and Fire to be true. And he kind of replies in his days, uh, Aegon's Dream. Rhaenyra says, You told me it was our duty to hold the realm united against the common foe. By naming me heir, you divided the realm. I thought I wanted it, but the burden is a heavy one. It's too heavy. And Viserys says, My only child. And Rhaenyra replies, If you wish me to bear it, then defend me and my children. And Viserys is struggling to say words, and he can't form them. At this point, Rhaenyra is crying at his bedside because she feels hopeless now at this point the scene moves and Viserys is awake and he's laying on almost like a I would call it a massage table you go to the chiropractor's thing they're on like that table and they're working on your back it kind of reminded me of that but more so for his disease you know the, the maces are treating and tending to his condition and Otto Hightower's there and he tells Otto that he wishes to have supper tonight with all the family gathered at the Red Keep and have everyone dine together. We're talking uh, all of Viserys and Allison's children and all of Rhaenyra and uh, Laenor or Sir Harwin Strong or Damon. So like, all of them are basically all going to come together and have a meal. Obviously, Damon's children don't end up there because they're just too young to really kind of know what's going on. Also, Joffrey's not there either, um, which is the other. This is the third son between uh, Rhaenyra and and quote-unquote, Lenor Valarian, which really, Sir Harwin Strong's third child. But anyways, uh, those are the ones that don't end up making it to the supper, just to give that a preface. The two children between Rhaenyra and Daemon and Joffrey, uh, which is Sir Harwin's third son, they don't make it to the, the supper. But long story short, continue on here. At this point, Viserys is groaning and he's in considerable pain. And this is a big point, because Otto tells the Macers to bring milk of the poppy, but Viserys declines the milk of the poppy here. And this is a really big thing. Because remember, milk of the poppy is like that morphine and it makes your brain a little scattered and a little spacey so that way it just heals the pain. So I thought it was a really important point that at this moment, he declines milk of the poppy because it's going to lead to what's coming in just a little bit. But anyways, at this point, the court is held for the decision to be made on who will succeed Corlys Velaryon as Lord of Driftmark if Corlys succumbs to the fever. Otto tells the room that as hand... He speaks with the king's voice on this as with all other matters, and then he sits down on the throne. Otto says they will now hear the petitions, and Vaemon Valarian goes first. He says, straight quote, My queen, my lord hand, the history of our noble houses extends beyond the seven kingdoms to the days of old Valyria. 
For as long as House Targaryen has ruled the skies, House Valarian has ruled the seas. When the doom fell on Valyria, our houses became the last of their kind. Our forebearers came to this new land, knowing that were they to fail, it would mean the end of their bloodlines and their name. I have spent my entire life on Driftmark, defending my brother's seat. I am Lord Corlys's closest kin, his own blood, the true, unimpeachable blood of House Valarian runs through my veins. And this is where Rhaenyra interrupts. As it does in my sons, the offspring of Laenor Valarian. If you cared so much about your house's blood, Sir Vaymond, you would not be so bold as to supplant its rightful heir. No, you, you only speak for yourself and for your own ambition. This is where Alicent interrupts Rhaenyra. You will have your chance to make your own petition, Princess Rhaenyra. Do Sir Vaymond the courtesy of allowing his to be heard. And this is where Vaymon speaks to Rhaenyra. What do you know of Valerian, Valerian blood, princess? I could cut my veins and show it to you, and you still wouldn't recognize it. This is about the future and survival of my house, not yours. And he turns his attention back to Otto and Alicent. My queen, my lord Han, this is a matter of blood, not ambition. I place the continuation of the survival of my house and my line above all. I humbly put myself before you as my brother's successor, the Lord of Driftmark and Lord of the Tides. And Otto says, Thank you, Sir Vaiman. Princess Rhaenyra, you may now speak for your son, Lucerus Valarian. This is where Rhaenyra takes center stage and she says, If I am to grace this farce with some answer, I will start by reminding the court that nearly 20 years ago, in this very... And then she stops as the doors behind her open. And King Viserys of House Targaryen is announced. Her father made the appearance, answered the fucking call. Rhaenyra is so happy to see him, but Otto and Alicent look scared and so does Vaymond. And Viserys, in his, in his deteriorating condition, struggles his way down the walkway to the throne on his cane, but to his credit is trying to make sure no one's helping him. So the camera pans to Rhaenys, and it looks like she just made a split-second decision. And I want this to kind of be heard here, because I, I, I've read things and I've seen things that are almost as if she had planned the whole time to make the decision she does. I don't think so. I will 100% argue the fact, I think because Viserys just showed up in that moment, she made a split-second decision what she was going to do. So I'll just say that there. And anyways, King Viserys looks at Otto Hightower and says, I will sit the throne today. And this is where Sir Eric tries to help Viserys up the steps, but Viserys says he'll be fine. And then he starts walking up them, but the crown falls off of his head. And then someone picks it up. And Viserys repeats himself, I, I said I'm fine. But he turns and he sees that it's Damon. And Damon says, come on. And he helps Viserys to the throne and he puts the crown back on Viserys' head. And I think that in this moment, more than any other, Viserys earned Damon's respect. Like, he always thought of his brother as weak and not a good king and never able to really take a stand on anything. And I think in this moment, he really earned Damon's respect because Damon put that crown on his head and, and they made it known that you know they had each other's back in that time period. Like 
What do you think about that, bro? When when you saw that happen, do you think this is the first time that King Viserys earned Damon's respect and and that the love as brothers was really there and evident for the first time that we see on screen? Yeah, uh, really cool uh, note about this scene. Uh, I actually found out this scene was never intended to ever be in there. So this actually happened because actually in real life, as Patty Constantine that plays Viserys was acting out the role, he actually accidentally dropped the crown as he was going up the stairs. And Matt, that plays Damon, thought it would be a great ad to show that connection, did it anyways, and they kept it, kept it in there. I think it's an excellent ad. It really kind of brings things full circle because we know Viserys and Damon over the years... Just like Damon, even going back into episode two that we talked about, despite all of their conflicts, they Damon is always stuck stuck up for his brother. So no, I will go you know toe to toe with anyone that says says that against me. No, Damon has always been there for his brother despite all their conflicts. This brings a really big full circle moment, and it even goes into what we talked about last episode. Remember, Viserys was saying, you know, let it let it pass after the years you know all the conflicts they've had i think this is that moment that finally brings it together during kind of the series is health is deteriorating here and it was something that uh really was it really became a focal point uh of this episode what about you yeah i think that it was the very first time in my opinion that we see on screen because we don't know how they grew up really you know, like I know Viserys has told stories when Damon came back and knelt before him and took off his own crown when they called him the King of the Narrow Sea. And that they all had some celebrations. They told stories about their past, but we don't actually ever see any of their past on screen. So it, all we ever see really is them almost bicker with each other in a way. And we know that Damon doesn't necessarily think that Viserys is a great king. He does call Viserys weak, even to his own face. He says, you're weak. He said that back in episode one. Like, you know, so the, to me the fact that he got out of his bed decided not to take the milk of the poppy and stumble his way to the throne i think that did everything for the relationship between damon and viserys and i think from this point out that that damon is has all the respect and admiration for his brother that maybe he's never been able to show before because he didn't necessarily feel it that those are my thoughts absolutely quick question here before you get started again do you think the milk of the poppy was a strategic plan on Otto's part? Oh, absolutely. We know that milk of the poppy messes with your head. We learned that back in Game of Thrones that this is that when you drink milk of the poppy, it takes the pain away, but you also lose your mind a little bit. You're not you don't think clearly because it's just because of the properties of it. So, I think absolutely because we even saw at the beginning of this episode when Vaymond was talking to Rhaenys on Driftmark when she said my king or my cousin the king would have your tongue for this and Vaymond's like well he's not the one that really rules these days is he it's it's the hand and the and the queen so it it really kind of shows me that they can sweep it under the rug because he's in so much pain we had to give milk of the poppy when he doesn't have it it's almost insufferable pain so we're doing it for the best of him but it absolutely gives uh, Otto Hightower and Alice Hightower almost full autonomy to run the kingdom the way they see fit because 
he's out of his mind on this pain medication, so to speak. And yeah, I absolutely think it was strategic. What do you think? Absolutely. I think it was definitely strategic. I think in a way, I think, you know, yeah, just like you said, they can kind of sweep it under the rug. I would think Allison's a little bit more innocent in the situation than Otto is. But yeah, it definitely was a strategic plan. Another little note here, just we didn't really go over, is uh, now that they're back in King's Landing, King's Landing looks entirely different. Like, remember how I was saying before, you know, uh, Alicent and Otto and the Hightowers are very close to the Sept of Baylor. It looks very different from the time they were there before. It looked much like a Targaryen castle, and now it looks more like a religious temple in a way, I would say. But, And that's all I'll say to that, and I'll let you take it away, brother. Cool. So to get back to it, Viserys, he's now sitting on the throne. Damon just put the crown on his head, and he addresses the courtroom at large. He says, I must admit my confusion. I do not understand why petitions are being heard over a settled succession. The only one present who might offer keener insight into Lord Corlys's wishes is the Princess Rhaenys. And Rhaenys responds, Indeed, Your Grace, it was ever my husband's will that Driftmark passed through Sir Laenor to his true-born son, Lucerus Velaryon. His mind never changed, nor did my support of him. And as a matter of fact, the Princess Rhaenyra has just informed me of her desire to marry her sons Jason Luke to Lord Corlys's granddaughters, Bela and Reyna, a proposal to which I heartily agree. And Alicent, at this point, the screen pans her, and she is shaking her head in disgust and disbelief. And Viserys says... Well, the matter is settled. Again, I hereby reaffirm Prince Lucerus of House Valarian as heir to Driftmark, the Driftwood Throne, and the next Lord of the Tides. And this is where Vaiman steps forward and says, You break law and centuries of tradition to install your daughter as heir. Yet you dare tell me, who deserves to inherit the name Valarian? No. I will not allow it. Viserys says, Allow it? Do not forget yourself, Vaymond. And Vaymond responds, Vaymond shakes his head about to explode. And then he cannot control himself any further. He turns to Luke and he yells, That is no true Valorian and certainly no nephew of mine. And Rhaenyra tells Luke to go to his chambers and tells Vaymond that he has said enough. Viserys speaks again. Lucerus is my true-boned grandson, and you are no more than the second son of Driftmark. And Vaiman responds, You may run your house as you see fit, but you will not decide the future of mine. My house survived the doom, and a thousand tribulations besides. And gods be damned, I will not see it ended on account of this. And he stops himself here. And Damon in the background says, Say it. And Vaiman takes a moment, looks directly at Viserys, and says, Her children are bastards! And she is a whore. And the entire court gasps. And Viserys, he stands up and pulls his dagger out. And he says, I will have... Your tongue for that. And the camera pans to Vaiman. In a flash, 
Damon swings his sword, Dark Sister, and cuts Damon's face in half, with the larger part of his head dropping to the floor, and the smaller portion that's still attached to the body hits the ground and has the tongue out showing to the court. And it was just a really gruesome image. And Damon says, he can keep his tongue. What did you think about that moment in that time when you saw that? Were you surprised that Bayman said that out loud and, and that all of the, the actions that were taken in that flash of a moment happened? Or did you expect this? What did you think? Bayman has some balls, man. <laughs> um, uh, I'm tending to lean... Uh, I don't think it was exactly a nice gesture he made. But I don't know, man. I, I think Veyman had a right to speak his speak his mind here. Not exactly saying the words he said, but here's the catch, though. It's the Valarians are getting the short end of the stick. It's pretty fucked up. Like, I mean, in you know, Rainey's her little flip-flopping she's doing all in the moment just because King Viserys comes in there. It's... I don't... I have... I say it kind of right in the middle. I don't think it was very conscience a correct decision on how he did things because he should have known that wouldn't have gone well, especially being someone that has been high in drift mark uh and you know he definitely knows about his brother's relationship to the series and known that he wouldn't have responded well to that but at the same time i gotta say this like i mean you are the king that is rule and law but at the same time is it really should it really be the series choice on how the valarians line goes i mean granted this was the pact they made with that marriage so and it was really rainy's that made the decision here so point being is i guess all right i gotta agree with the decision because rainy's didn't hold her ground also the series is king so what he says goes i don't think vayman should have gotten his head cut off or his tongue cut out because unfortunately i don't agree with the choice of words he said but if we look at what he's trying to propose it's not exactly a lie (laughs) so that's the way i guess i'll word that what would you say i disagree with you wholeheartedly like heavy heavy disagreement i think he absolutely deserved to have his head cut off tongue removed whatever punishment went away because he just committed treason he just told the entire court that were there that the king's daughter's sons were illegitimate. Proclaimed it out loud for everyone to hear. That is a treasonous statement. <laughs> and so, yeah, absolutely needed to have some sort of punishment. I, I was absolutely pissed that Viserys was only going to take his tongue for that. I'm like, damn, Viserys, like, you showed up some strength and got here, barely made it to the throne room, and all you're going to do after you just had your daughter's name ran through the mud and your grandchildren's name for the mud, you're just going to take his tongue? No, Damon stepped up and did the right thing. Took his head, clean the fuck off. And I even loved how, like, right afterwards, the king's guard went to go grab Damon. He's like, no need, and he cleans his fucking sword and puts it away. But, like, no, he absolutely has the authority to decide how Driftmark is ran. They are part of the Seven Kingdoms, which 
Viserys is the king of. He is he rules the entire kingdom. They are part of his kingdom. They swore fealty to him. They are underneath his rule. Then they already have a good relationship. They join their houses, right? Even if you don't want to consider the joining of houses between like the children, Lenor and Rhaenyra are still married. They still yeah. officially married. So, true. you know what I mean? In law, they, they're still, he still oversees that. He's Rhaenyra's father and the king of the realm on top of that. And then even if you want to go a step past that and just really get into the weeds, we can talk about Damon's marriage to Lena and how they had actual trueborn children together. So absolutely, he has an authority to make decisions about Driftmark and the succession. So, yeah, Vayman doesn't have to like it, and he may have points, but you cannot use those slanderous words and just think that you're going to get away with a Scott clean in the courtroom when everyone is there to listen. Like, if you want to have that on, like, a two-on-two, uh, you know, conversation or three-on-three conversation where, like, Allison and Otto's on one side here and, and Damon and Rainier on one side and Vayman's playing his thing and they're in a, in a small area where the words they say are not going anywhere, sure. But you were in front of the entire court. Everyone that was present there heard you call her a, her children a bastard and her a whore. Like, yeah, like you yeah, can't. I agree with that. Yeah, that, I agree with that point. You can't do it. Yeah. You can't do it. <laughs> but so. at the same time, like it's uh, it's like kind of like that TikTok. Just like Aegon said, everyone knows. <laughs> everyone knows. <laughs> It's, it's different, like speaking the truth, baby. We're over here preaching it, preaching it. <laughs> but no, I agree. That was fucked up. But at least Bayman has balls, man. No one else has the balls to say anything. About yeah, him. no, we'll give him credit for that. But you know, there's consequences to your actions, and now he's dead. So yeah, he's yeah, got balls, was... but you know, he paid for it with his life. So just really kind of was it worth it? I don't know. But. Hmm. Anyways. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I have to agree with you. I mean, just like I said, like what I say is Viserys' law runs true. I mean, that kind of sucks, but you did have that marriage pact, so it is what it is. So kind of what they say is what they say, but everyone knows. But uh, what it comes down to, in my opinion, is Rhaenys, uh, you know, once Rhaenys said what she said, like into discussion, like if she had said something different, then we would have a different situation here. Here's a question, and then we'll let you jump back into it. If Rainey said something different, then would it had ended that way with his head? I guess it would depend on what Veyman had to say after whatever Rainey mentioned. <laughs> but because... if you, what if you still said, they're bastards and she's a whore? Uh, I, if he made direct accusations about their legitimacy and her virtue then yes, there would have been a punishment. Do I know if it would have ended in like a head cut off? No, but definitely at least his tongue would be removed. <laughs> <laughs> no sympathy. No, but yeah, I agree with you. I'll let you get back to it. I just feel bad because I, I like Veyman. I, I like that he would stick up. I don't like that he would always go against Damon, but uh, I mean, he, he had some balls, man. You got to give credit where credit is due on that. Sure, but now he's dead. So was it worth it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll let you take it away, man. For sure. So to get, get back after Damon cuts his head off and we see that gruesome image of the, the part of his body with the smaller part of his head still on, the tongue was kind of on the side so you could see that. It was a cool visual representation. But Damon says, he can keep his tongue. 
and the king's guard screams disarm him and damon says no need and he cleans his sword and puts it away and the screen pans to Aemon targaryen and he looks impressed with what damon did and i think that's a little bit of a foreshadow too to me it really does seem like Aemon looks up to damon a little bit even if you don't really see it so i thought it was interesting that he looked impressed where everyone else was horrified Aemon looked impressed that damon took damon's head off so at this point the whole ordeal was a bit much for viserys and he starts falling to the throne and like groaning in pain and allison says he must take something for the pain in which viserys responds i will not cloud my mind i must put things right and at this point viserys is helped out of the room now the scene moves to the silent sisters and they're tending to vayman's body and the grand maester tells rainice because rainice is there like watching over this whole proceeding tells rainice that the body will be ready to be returned to driftmark on the morrow and so we're going to see another well, we won't see it but we can talk about another valarian funeral which man like we said these valarians are getting the short end of the stick here in this first season anyways Rainy stays and watches and the scene at that point cuts to the dinner that viserys asks for all the members of the family there and like i mentioned there's three people who are not present two of them are aegon the third and viserys the second which are daemon and rhaenyra's children and also joffrey which is rhaenyra and supposedly Lenor Valarian's third child, more so, you know, as we know, Lord you know, Harwin Strong, Sir Harwin Strong's third child. Now, Joffrey's not there. So, at this point, Viserys is carried in on his own chair. So, he's got the servants who are lifting it up, and he's being brought to the table. Viserys tells them it's good to see them all there together. Allison says a prayer for mending the bonds that have been broken between them and for the gods to give Vaim and Valarian rest. And you can still see Otto Hightower is disgusted about that whole situation and what happened in that courtroom. Uh, at this point, Viserys says it's a cause for celebration because Luke and Jace are now betrothed to Bela and Reyna, further strengthening the bond between their houses. And Aegon instigates Jace in this moment and says, Well done, Jace you'll finally get to lie with a woman. And they toast to Lucerus, the future Lord of the Tides, and Aegon keeps on picking on Jace. He says, You do know how the act is done, I assume, at least in principle. Where to put your cock and all that? And, <laughs> and then, what the fuck, man? Then Bela <laughs> says, Let it be, cousin, to Jaceris. At this point, Jaceris replies to Aegon, You can play the jester if you wish, but hold your tongue before my betrothed. At this point, Viserys goes on his big heartwarming speech about how he wishes they would all come together and that he does not have much longer to live among them. He asks them all to set aside their differences for the sake of the realm and for his own sake too. And this is where Rhaenyra tries to be the little, always has to look like the angel. You know, she's always got to have like the angel thoughts here. She is the first to raise a glass and she toasts the queen. And then Alicent responds and raises a glass to Rhaenyra in her house. And she says that Rhaenyra would make a fine queen. And so there's a nice little moment where everything seems wholesome. And you see the nice music playing and they're all getting along for once. At least the adults at the table are and they're really kind of coming together in this moment and it's beautiful. And then fucking Aegon ruins it. Aegon walks up to Vela and says, I regret the disappointment you are soon to suffer. But if you wish to know what it is to be well satisfied... All you have to do is ask. And this is where Jace pounds the table and stands up. And that, and at that point, Aemond, on the other end, also stands up. 
He's ready for that action, boss. Yeah, Aven be ready for that action at all times, man. But uh, anyways, Jace then collects himself, gathers his composure. He kills him with kindness, so to speak, and he toasts to fond memories of their youth and to Aegon and to Aemon's good health. And Helena, this is what we were talking about. She has these weird moments of, are these premonitions? Are these, you know, predictions? What What happens here? But... From out of nowhere, Helena says, Beware the beasts beneath the boards. Out of nowhere, just sitting at the table, no one's even talking to her. <laughs> but at this point, Helena then toasts Bela and Reyna and tells them that marriage isn't so bad, that most of the time the husband just ignores you unless he's drunk, which is kind of funny. Because she's, like I said, she just has a little bit of social awkwardness. She doesn't really have the ability, I don't want to say like, to fit in normally, but she just doesn't have that. You know, she's a little spacey and she's a little awkward and you know she has her own little idiosyncrasies but at this point Viserys calls for some music and Chase take sorry Jace takes this opportunity to get back at Aegon and grabs Helena for a dance and then we have some good merriment here and all seem to be enjoying the moment and they're all enjoying their time here they're together they're smiling but eventually Viserys is in too much pain to continue any further and his guards come to take him away as he leaves, servers come in, and it's almost a direct correlation. As Viserys walks out, these servers walk in, and they're carrying something. And we're gonna, I'm going to tell you right here. They come in and place a roasted pig directly in front of Aemond, which is a full circle moment back to when they used to pick on Aemond for not being able to acquire a dragon, all the way to the point where they put wings on a pig and presented Aemond quote-unquote, the pink dread, because no dragon would take him. And Luke notices the pig sat right in front of Aemon, like the, the dead roasted pig, they put it right in front of Aemon's plate, and he starts snickering, and you can see Aemon is pissed. At this point, Aemon pounds the table, and he stands up, and he says, Final tribute to the health of my nephews, Jace, Luke, and Joffrey. Each of them handsome, wise, strong. And Alicent, with a warning look, says, Amen. And Amen says, Come, let us drain our cups to these three strong boys. <laughs> and Jason stops dancing with Helena and looks at him and says, I dare you to say that again. And Amen responds, Why? It was only a compliment. Do you not think yourself strong? <laughs> and <laughs> Jace runs up, punches Aemon in the face. Luke gets up to assist Jace, but Aegon grabs Luke, slams him down on the table face first. And back where Jace had punched Aemon in the face, Aemon took that punch on the chin, barely even flinched, and just shoves Jace to the ground with one arm. And the guards get everyone separated. At this point, Allison t yells at Aemon, Why would you say such a thing before these people? Aemon says, I was merely expressing how proud I am of my family, mother. Mm, though it seems my nephews aren't quite as proud of theirs. <laughs> and Jace goes to run at Aemon again. But Damon says, wait, wait. And stands in his way. And we have Aemon and Damon staring at each other. And this is a cool fucking moment. It's a little bit of a foreshadow. But man, that's, that's going to come up big later. But fucking cool as shit. Anyways, Rhaenyra tells her side of the family to go to their quarters. 
And like I said, this foreshadowy looking stare down between Damon and Eamon before Eamon walks off. At this point, Rhaenyra goes up to Alicent and tells her that she thinks it's best that they return to Dragonstone. Alicent like, kind of almost expresses regret at that. And so Rhaenyra compromises and says that she will see the children home and she will return on Dragonback. And Alicent says that she and the king would like that. So the scene moves to outside of the keep to someone in a cloak walking and they approach someone standing on a balcony and we have Messaria back on screen and the person in the cloak reveals themselves and it's Talia, one of Allison's handmaidens. And Messaria says, it's been quite a night in the castle it seems. To which Talia says, yes milady. At that point the scene moves to Viserys in bed and he's in pain. And Allison goes to him for comfort and support and gives him some milk of the poppy for the pain. And now it's going to start messing with his head. And this is where everything kind of goes sideways because he's not in his right mindset. Because she gave him milk of the poppy and he, yeah, the pain has subsided. But now we're going to have the miscommunication of history right here. Viserys says to Allison, thinking he's speaking to Rhaenyra, he says, I'm sorry. But you wanted to know if I believe it to be true. Allison's confused. She says, believe what to be true, my king? Viserys responds, don't you remember? Aegon. Allison says, our son? Viserys says, his dream. The song of ice and fire. It is true. What he saw in the north. The prince that was promised. Allison, still confused, says, I don't understand, Viserys. And Viserys responds, the prince. Now says, Prince Aegon. And Viserys replies, to unite the realm against the cold and the dark. It is you. You are the one. You must do this. You must do this. Alicent says, I understand, my king. And then she leaves the room. And the camera pans to the cat's paw dagger by Viserys' bedside. And Viserys says to himself, no more. No more. And he reaches his hand up to the sky, and a tear falls from his eye, and he says, My love. And the screen turns dark, and the episode ends. And so, we don't get actual verification of this moment, but we, we know what ends up happening. That is the last time we're going to see King Viserys. So, uh, yeah, that was the end of the episode. Uh, I mean, tell me how we did. There, we do all right. Do we have anything that you wanted to add? Give me your takeaways. Fantastic, man. Another quick note, just at the end there, you can kind of infer that he died because if you look on the captions, because I try to watch it with captions now. Credit to Jay Nelly, he taught me that. <laughs> uh, but uh, his breathing stops uh, in the captions, and it says breathing stops. Um, also, uh, at the dinner too, uh, there was a moment there that was actually really powerful in my opinion, because it really showed uh, Viserys his passion to try to make this family get along. He took off his mask at one point and was saying, I want you all to see me as just a man tonight, not a king, as your father, as your grandsire. And uh, it really uh, showed, like, he really wants this family to work. And yeah, he looks he looks rough though <laughs> like he didn't have an eye you can see it taking his eye out and um there's actually it, people have made funny meme videos of where they're like 
like imagine if you're at thanksgiving dinner and the series takes his mask off and you're like dude like come on put that mask back on <laughs> but uh point being is like you know he really wanted this family to get together and they just can't fucking Eamon, man <laughs> fucking Eamon had to fuck up the whole shit to these strong boys do you not see yourself as strong <laughs> it's just like damn and you had the exact words on that but point being is dude like everything's like finally getting to point like okay let's just enjoy this one night even if it doesn't fucking work out and like the series last fucking night alive fucking Eamon just has to be the one like always fucking it up for everybody dude always fucking it up for everybody i thought it was a great episode uh, now you're seeing some problems really arise. Um, you know, y- you had this whole issue with Driftmark that's basically like settled now, but it was almost like this side problem seeing how it gets handled that's already a issue. And now we're about to have the really biggest problem at all. So of all, uh, but the writing was great. Uh, I was action-packed with Veyman getting his head sliced off. You're wondering what side people are going to take. And, you know, Rainey's, I just flipped a switch. And you're like, all right. <laughs> like, fine, okay. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I loved it. I, I actually really liked this episode. It wasn't, like, my favorite of all the episodes, but I really liked it. I'm going to give it uh, good a 9.0. I think that's a good grade. What about you? Yeah, I, I also want to touch on what you said there about Viserys, and that was a powerful moment when he was standing at the head of the table, and he says, I want you to see me as I am, and he, he took off that mask like you're mentioning, and he said something to the effect of, you know, this face is no longer a handsome one, if it ever was, yeah. but this is a face of someone who loves you all, and like, that was really yeah. powerful, he really wanted, like you mentioned, that he wanted them all to come together, and yeah, it was kind of grotesque. He was missing an eye. There's like a hole in the side of his face over on his cheek. There's little wisps of hair that are left. Or you know, he's like hunched over. It's just, it was a beautiful moment for him to be vulnerable and show everyone at that table how much he cares and how badly he wants this family to work and wants it all to you know continue on. When because he even said like I don't have much longer amongst you guys. I'm not gonna be alive for much longer. It seems. And I want this family to know how much you mean to me and how I want how much I want you guys to mean to each other. So that way you guys might rule together and make this a success. So, yeah, no, that was a really good point to, to bring up. I agree with you. And now to the takeaways, I also think it was a pretty powerful episode because what we have here is we have Viserys. And this is why we say, like, I think he tends to lean. If he's going to take a side, he tends to lean more towards Rhaenyra and Damon's side because... You know, he didn't have to leave his bed. He could have kept, you know, drinking the milk of the poppy and stayed pain-free or as, as painless as he could have been and just let, you know, how it be like status quo with the high towers making the decisions for the realm. But when Rhaenyra came to him and said, if you wish me to bear this burden, defend me and defend my children. And he took that to heart and he walked right up on them steps and he, he re-granted the succession of Driftmark to Lucerus and you know, reaffirmed it, I should say, not regranted it, reaffirmed the succession to Lucerus and that was a big moment. And now towards the at the end when he went, like you said, you mentioned the breathing stopped and so now we can infer that that Viserys is dead. Now their little shield of you know, Viserys making all the calls is gone for Rhaenyra and Damon. And this is gonna cause problems going forward. And, you know, 
just the, the little the miscommunication here at the end of the episode the 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 continuation of the conflicts between the boys talking about Jason Luke with Amon and Agen and it's just like they're always at odds and that continued even that I, the adults were finally acting on good terms at seeing they they even thought like shoot maybe I, I, at one point I was like shit maybe they can make this work and then Amon has to go fucking full Amon on it and <laughs> toast to the strong boys and that ruins everything but yeah overall like you said it had the action with a little scuffle in the dinner room and also with Vayman losing his head for his slanderous comments it had a little bit of everything writing was pretty good it brought back the song of ice and fire a a little bit and made it a big point to how interpretations kind of went sideways and I would give it on a scale of 1 to 10 I'll say 8.8 8.8 out of 10 for me for right here on episode yes. 8. Look at that. 8's across the board, right? Eight Episode 8, 8.8 for episode 8? Yeah, man. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick with that. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into some de- debates. What do you got for me today? Yeah. Uh, here's my... I got two. So here's my first one. If Eamon wasn't brought that pig, <laughs> do you think we would have had a nice peaceful night for Viserys the peaceful and it would have gone possibly a different way if they would remember their grandsire and their father and the man that he was and his wishes after he did get up from his chair after not drinking the milk of the popki reconfirming driftwood and our Driftmark, sorry, Driftwood. I don't know what that was. It was probably in Lord of the Rings somewhere. No, no, <laughs> Drift, Driftwood is the name of the throne. So you're on the right. You're on the right. Okay, area. gotcha. So, I knew so I got like, that from somewhere. Driftmark is I'll... like the city where they, but the Driftwood throne. It's like the Iron Throne, but the throne of Driftmark. So the Driftwood throne. Gotcha. So, okay. So yeah, yeah, was... Don't worry, guys. I promise, I'm not that bad. I'm not like Viserys right now, delusional. <laughs> but uh, no, okay, yeah. So, but they got you know he reconfirmed uh, the succession for Driftmark and uh, you know he's has said I mean we don't want to get anything to the episode after this but uh, there are people that do know that he wants uh, Rhaenyra to be the heir do you think we would have any chance if that pig was not brought out and Aemon didn't cause some problems again that these two families might be able to work together when he passes away and we would be able to have some sort of chance where they could work together and then support Rhaenyra no <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do anything I can to make us work man this family is dysfunctional I'm sorry it's fucking dysfunctional man <laughs> so for me if it wasn't Aemon and what Aemon said about the strong boys it was going to be Aegon because he was already starting to instigate at the beginning when Viserys was still at the table talking about how he would satisfy Jaceris's future wife if he couldn't do it and so and then Jaceris kind of got back at him by dancing with Helena so I don't if Aemon didn't fuck it up Aegon would have fucked it up so I I just think it was like there was just no chance for this to to go down normally regardless uh, to answer your question succinctly concisely and quickly, no, there would be no chance for them to work together and come together. If Amon, if Amon didn't fuck it up, Aegon would have fucked it up. Yeah, guilty as charged, man. This isn't even a, uh, 
you know, there is, you know, no debating this hands down. Otto would have figured something out. You know, the realm would have been pissed anyways. Uh, something was going to happen. Like, this little pig doesn't really make a difference. It just really shows what an asshole Eamon is because he had to make a scene out of nothing despite this whole thing where you think you might have a little chance just because, you know, Allison toasted and said, you know, you're going to make an excellent queen. Like, maybe there's some chance there. We knew that wasn't going to happen, though. But, you know, thanks, Eamon, for fucking up everything, honestly. Always... Always has to do something. <laughs> Always has to do something, right? Uh, next one here is uh, back to... I just flipped a switch. Why do you think Rainey's chose to flip the switch so fast and support exactly what Viserys and Corlys Valerian agreed upon for the succession of Driftmark instantly when Viserys entered the room because it showed that there was still strength left in Viserys and that all wasn't in the hands of the high towers so in my opinion if Viserys doesn't enter that room she's Rhaenys is thinking in her head the high towers have all the power and they hold all their cards here they're speaking with the king's authority you know the king isn't here so they can make whatever rules they want but because Viserys took it upon himself to make sure he sat the throne that day, it made her realize there's still some strength left in him. And I like now that I know that, and he's still the ruling king, and he still has power here. We're gonna go with Viserys' side and what he intended initially. So that's that's what I think. Absolutely agree with you, a hundred percent. And then my last little question here: it's not really a debate. Me, in my opinion, I just feel like, uh, like compared to Viserys and Jaehaerys, uh, you know, I will say, of course, you know, Viserys does have flaws. I think he is still a weak king. But in my opinion, I mean, based on what he's done all these years and has been able to keep the peace for everybody, hence they have called him Viserys the Peaceful and what Jaehaerys did. I don't, I mean, I think Rhaenyra would have made possibly... Like, you know, I, we won't get into anything in the future or anything, but as far as, like, a candidate for queen, if she just wouldn't have these tendencies to, like... Like, she almost kind of shows tendencies of her father in a way, kind of like when she's backed herself into a corner, she can't stand up for her own actions and take things on head-on. I feel like that's a flaw in a way. If she would get rid of that, she could make a great queen. But because of this... I feel like all these candidates for king and queen that we have here, if there is like actually was like a candidacy, right? Like say it was like a normal candidacy. Our candidates suck right now. What What do you think? I agree with you 100%. They do suck. You know, no one's really stepped up and shown that they could act with fairness and objectivity everyone seems to be self-serving and they want control for whatever reasons to either further their line or you know maybe make the history books or just because they, they think they're owed it because it's their birthright or whatever the reason being none of them have really stepped up and shown me that they deserve to lead seven kingdoms of individuals right that just I, I don't see it you know none of them have sat there in 
the small council. I guess like maybe Allison's sat in the small council meetings, but they're making plans behind Allison's back. Like we're gonna find out next week, you know. And so it's like just no one really seems to have taken the reins here and shown that they can do things in a way that is intentional, like you know, without any sort of kickback on the back end where it's a benefit just for themselves. To me, we just don't have any good candidates here. And and because of that, the realm's going to be split. We're going to have people who are... It's basically going to be like traditionalists versus like modernism. You know, hey, some people are going to keep their oath that they swore to Rhaenyra. Others are going to be like, no, we got to stick with this tradition of the king's oldest son because this is what we've always done. So this makes it right. Like, There's no clear choice where everyone's collectively like, no, this is easily the better of the two options. No, it's going to be like, man, these two options suck. So like, what do we believe in more? Do we believe that the eldest son should be the, the the ruling thing or should we like honor our the oaths that we made to Rhaenyra like you know I that's I think they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here and that's just my opinion absolutely agree uh it's like in a way I could you even if you tried to kind of say well okay Allison's been there the whole time why Rhaenyra has been sailing off to Driftmark now they got that whole milk of the poppy thing so they're really kind of corrupt there on the inside and then at the same time with Rhaenyra, if she really gave a shit about the realm, she wouldn't have gone to Dragonstone for, like, fucking years and just bailed on everybody. And then at the same time, like, when she's challenged, she can't even hold her own. She, like, tries to back into a corner and try to get everyone on her side, just like she did Rhaenys. So it's like, dude, like, what the fuck, dude? Like, at least, like, Viserys may be weak, but at least he kept the realm peaceful for all these years and dude like our candidates are awful like i feel like maybe in a way like at least if Rhaenyra would stand up for what she wants if she tried to actually be for the people in a way maybe she could have driven a little bit more of the compelling support from people of flea bottom even though of course unfortunately it breaks tradition so you definitely have a big big challenge there to do that but God, I agree with you 100%. Like, and then the other, God, the other candidate's just as bad. He's over there raping people. You're sleeping around, being a drunk. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're you're worse than, than the other two. Like, dear Lord, man. Like, this is what we've been given. And the one guy, like, you feel like the other guy that, like, actually might really want to move up in the realm and, like, move himself up. He is the one starting problems. Like, holy fuck, dude. Like, all of these people are fucking terrible, man. God, it, man, if only we had someone like Jon Snow. But unfortunately, our Ned Stark, man. But the Starks, ah, uh, well, it's very sad. It's very sad. Okay, off to you, man. What, what debates do you have for the day? For sure. And then just to add on to that as well, the other opportunity, if we want to look at, because you're talking about Aegon being like the guy who like rapes people and, you know, just off just doing drunkard shit and not showing good qualities of king. Then on the opposite side, if we talk about Rhaenyra's child, Jaceres, he's not even a trueborn, like he's a bastard. <laughs> so it's like we really don't have any really good choices anywhere we turn here. But anyways, uh, to go to, into my debate today, I just want to talk about the intentions here. And this is going to be really geared towards the last scene where Alicent is discussing 
with Viserys, who's clearly out of his mind in bed, just mumbling and rambling on. Let's talk about the intentions. Do you think Alicent intentionally misstrewed his words and took them for something else so she could say that this was his desire, what she's about to, you know, bring forward in next episode? Or do you think it truly was an accident? What do you think the intentions were in this moment between Allison and Viserys and this this conversation that just went sideways? My thoughts on that, it was a little bit of both. Um, I think it was truly an... It was an accident, partially, based on what I'll revert back to we discussed in episode four. Remember when Alicent was a child and Viserys decided to go get drunk during Aegon's name day because Viserys, even though he's been better than all our other candidates, he exactly hasn't been Jaharis either. <laughs> he decides to go get trashed and feels sorry for himself and goes and rambles on about... Uh, the prince that was promised and also says you know he you know he thought that if he like had a boy all this stuff would happen and of course you know he did talk about at one point um where you know maybe he was wrong so i think that's where allison might have had the idea here like it might have been in her head like oh shit but at the same time, I think a lot of it also plays into, you know, you've had all this stuff with Otto and the Milk of the Poppy, and Otto has been playing the influencer role very well here. Um, even going back to the very beginning, remember where, <laughs> go see the king tonight and wear one of your mother's old dresses. <laughs> kind of like, you know, he's definitely played quite the influencer role and has set into her mind that Aegon should be king. So what I think happened here, and this is just my opinion, I think Alicent heard what she wanted to hear because of her previous memories with Viserys in that moment. Uh, where they were talking on Aegon's name day and he was drunk by the fire talking about the prince that was promised and if he made a mistake and how he wanted to be a dreamer. And I think she heard in her mind, honestly, that Viserys decided he made a mistake and Aegon should be king because that's what she wanted to hear. I think it was her way of actually convincing herself this is what he wanted so what i'll say is i don't think it was intentional of like uh as in you know i'm just gonna go ahead and say this and i this is intentional of like okay whatever we're gonna overthrow ranira because at the same time if that was really the case then I won't go into things in the next episode, but there are things that happen where she kind of, you know, is against some things. And so I think this was her moment to kind of in her mind convince herself that Aegon should be king so that it all works out for the better 
So in Allison's mind, everyone's happy with a happy ending, which isn't exactly the way this would play out. What's your opinion? So I'm going to read the quotes between Viserys and Alicent one more time. Go through it quickly. Viserys says to her, I'm sorry, but you wanted to know if I believe it to be true. And again, Viserys thinks he's speaking to Rhaenyra because they had the conversation earlier in this episode about the prince that was promised in Aegon. Alicent says, believe what to be true, my king? Viserys says, don't you remember? Aegon. Alicent says, our son? Viserys says, his dream, the song of ice and fire. It is true, what he saw in the north. The prince that was promised. Allison says, I don't understand Viserys. And Viserys replies, the prince. She says, Prince Aegon. And he says, to unite the realm against the cold and the dark, it is you. You are the one. You must do this. You must do this. And Allison says, I understand, my king. Motherfucker, no, you did not understand. <laughs> you literally said... <laughs> yeah, that's true, you, yeah. You said a couple sentences ago, I don't understand Viserys, because... The moment Viserys says his dream, the Song of Ice and Fire, it is true what he saw in the north, the prince that was promised, none of that applied to her son at all. None of that, like, when was Aegon in the north? And what did he see up there, you know? And what what does Aegon's dream have to do about anything? So at the end, she says, I understand, my king. I think you you did a good job of explaining the, the, the end-all, be-all. She just heard what she wanted to hear. <laughs> like, it, it, that itself, there's no way that you can draw that conclusion from the words that you you were speaking back and forth with Viserys other than that's just what you want to hear and the only thing I could think of is when he says it is you you are the one you must do this she's thinking oh he's leaving it to me to make the decision on how best to proceed and, and unite the realm against the cold and the dark so what he wants me to do is make my choice here that I think it would be best for it and you know what I think Aeg my son Aegon and he mentioned Aegon when he was talking so that must be it. He must be. You know, she just drew a conclusion out of just like grasping at straws and putting them together and calling it a Corvette. Like, I don't know what the hell was going on there. But so intentionality is tough to dis- determine. It just if she just stopped and thought about how none of that shit made any sense at all as it pertains to her or to their son. She could have just been like, you know what? This is probably in this nonsense rambling from an old man that's dying on milk of the poppy <laughs> milk of the poppy that I gave him and I know that it kind of gets you all loopy if she would have thought about that for 10 seconds we probably wouldn't be thinking about this because she'd just be like oh, you know what like I can't take any of that for certainty he's just out here rambling on so no I, I, I think very much is a case of she heard what she wanted to hear and she was going to take that and run with it so that way no one could come back and be like wait no you couldn't that's not what happened here so yeah i don't know those are my thoughts on it yeah i think that's exactly i think that's exactly what it was i think the minute she heard the only kind of like props i can give her maybe is because the high towers are very religious um maybe she took like the prince that was promised prophecy and with you know thinking of like Aegon the Conqueror's crown like how else would this ever happen if it wasn't like my son and we do have Aegon the Conqueror's crown so we're gonna make this happen kind of thing like I think it was it could have been like I think it was exactly like you said I think like the minute like she heard something like that because the influence of Otto and Otto was like you know this has to happen this way I think that was her chance to be like all right it's happening then like nice I understand exactly what you're saying you have to say no more you have to say no more kind of like if it's like uh 
<laughs> like if someone at work was like it you know you're trying to get your best way to describe this, this is a very like off the wall relation but this will make it make a little more sense i guess in my opinion to some people say you're at work right and you're like hey i really need you to take my shift on saturday to like your friend right or whoever is there and then or you go to your boss right you go to your boss and you're like hey i need i'm not able to work saturday i need someone to take my shift and your boss goes you don't have to come in saturday if someone takes your shift (laughs) like the minute she goes this is allison Oh, nice. I don't have to come in Saturday. Fuck it. Okay. Okay. I'll see you next week. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Like, she didn't listen to that at all, except for what she wanted to hear and said, okay, cool. I got skiing. Nice. Uh, uh, die, uh, enjoy your last breath. I'll see you later. Like, didn't even stay there. It's <laughs> like, die. She bolted out of that fucking room so fast. She said, yeah, cool. Aegon's King. Nice. Have a good one. Have a good one. Gave it a good run. Gave it a good run. Have a good day. Peace. <laughs> but serious, peaceful. Peace out. <laughs> That's exactly what happened, man. I agree with you 100%. She definitely wanted to hear what she wanted to hear. It's just, uh, like, I don't know. It's hard for me to say like her intentions were of malice, but she definitely wanted to convince herself, in my opinion, that this is the way it should be. So, and with that, man, uh, any other debates or any other uh, closing statements? You want to close this out? Yeah, no, that's all I had in terms of debate style. It's just like the only other thing I would say on that is she didn't have any. As soon as she heard that, though, that was it. She didn't stick around for anything. Like you said, she just said, oh, I'm out, I'm out. So it's like when we talk about intentions, like she could have tried to really clarify what was being said there. I'm like, wait a second, Viserys, let me just make it this straight. You want our king to be, our son to be king, right? Like, like there was no, there was no sort of like trying to really decipher anything further. It was just straight up like, Oh, you said you said it's up to me. I got this. Okay, I got it. I know you said you said you said King Aegon. All right, let's go. But anyways, yeah, absolute nonsense. So intentionality is hard. She didn't. She definitely didn't try to stick it out for an additional uh, just to, just for clarification. She did no clarification whatsoever. She heard words, decided that's what it meant, and then peace the fuck out. So, anyways. To you know, kind of get us to do a closing point here, guys. We really do hope you enjoyed what you heard today. This is your first time. Thank you so much for joining us. We we really appreciate it. If you've been here since the beginning, thank you for continuing to be the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. If you're looking at where you can find us, please go ahead and follow, subscribe, kick like, comment along on our social media pages. We are on Instagram at official ridiculous patronus. We are on TikTok at Ridiculous Patronus, where I have a backup Instagram page at fact underscore or underscore fantasy, a backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We have a YouTube page, Ridiculous Patronus, Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy. We have Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy, Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy, and we do have our own site as well, RidiculousPatronus.blogspot.com. So go ahead and follow us along there. In terms of the podcast itself and where you can hear us, if you have an iPhone and you're an and or a, an Apple user, you can find us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, you can find us on Spotify, on Google Play. We're also on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, our host site Podbean, Stitcher, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. So please go ahead and 
rate our show on Spotify, the star ratings. Please go ahead and leave written reviews on Apple Podcasts. We really do appreciate those guys. But you know, this is you know, we, we that's like been a lot of fun here today, bringing you guys episode eight. But we are out for the day because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy, signing, signing off. off.